0: I'm just going to start by reading some scriptures from Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to who I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. You have been my hope, O sovereign Lord. My confidence since my youth. From birth, I have relied on you, and you brought me forth from my mother's womb. Ooh, where's my next one? (laughs) My mouth will be filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, and help me. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me. And to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Mm. Oh, there's one more. (laughs) My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. Mm. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Mm. I just want to start with that beautiful psalm because I feel like that's a declaration of who God has been to me Mm. and who he continues to be. Um, I had the privilege of being born into a Christian family that served God in Pakistan, and Elsa was one of my aunties (laughs) in Pakistan. Um, In the mission community, the women all become your aunties and you become family, so it's lovely to see you here today, Elsa. Um, My parents were both, my mom came from the States to work in Pakistan, dad came from New Zealand. So even though I don't sound like a New Zealander, I am. (laughs) I um, have this accent because I grew up in a missionary boarding school. And I lived there in Pakistan until I was 18. My mother and father served there for 35 years. So Pakistan is a very dear place (laughs) to us. And my my testimony is just God has been so faithful. You know, when I was a teenager, I read books that... um, talked about kids struggling with drug and alcohol, and I thought, Lord, I want to help people like that sometime in my life. So the Lord used that to preserve me from getting involved in things that I knew I wanted to help people get out of. (laughs) So I just feel like God just protected me and watched over me because, you know, those teenage years aren't easy, and that was something that I feel like the Lord had on my hand, on my life. And I'm just so thankful to Jesus. I'm so thankful that he loves me. I'm so thankful that he walks with me. And he just, as, as Sam said, he showers us with mercy and grace. And he is always good and always, always faithful.
1: <laughs> All right, so do you want to um, just tell us a bit of a reader's digest um, in terms of your story um, <laughs> yes. from those mission years yes. and then getting married and whatnot?
0: Okay, so obviously, not obviously, but because <laughs> of being born in Pakistan, the Lord... Gave me a real heart for missions and for his amazing world. I continue to um, just see God using that as my the way I grew up and just using that in my life. So I've served God in many different opportunities in many different countries. Um, I was with YWAM USA in working in um, Hollywood when I with street kids and runaways, not the Hollywood that you think of, <laughs> the other side of Hollywood and met my husband there, and soon after we were married, we felt the Lord calling us to go and work in Bulgaria, and Bulgaria had just, it was just post-communist, so we were there six months after the fall of communism in Bulgaria, we lived there for three years, and it was such a treasure, such a delight to be there and represent the Lord, and one of my wonderful pictures I'll never forget is we were handing out Bibles, and these people who had been not allowed to have the Word of God, just taking the Word of God, holding it close to their chest and just tears running down their face. It's given me such an honor and such a different way of looking at God's word. So that was a privilege. And while we were there, my son was born. So I have such a soft spot for Bulgaria. (laughs) Um, I was in hospital for two weeks and not allowed to have any visitors. So my Bulgarian improved exponentially. (laughs) But um, a wonderful, wonderful gift from God. This wonderful, precious boy who was a gift from the Lord for us. Um, <clears throat> so yesterday, what was his, name? his name was Judah, <laughs> little okay. praise a boy to that we believe God said his life would be praised to the Lord, mm. and he actually was born 26 years ago yesterday. <laughs> so yesterday was an emotional day for me, but it was lovely to be with Sam and Jen and to sit next to their Judah, as and a, not a substitute, but a beautiful <laughs> Judah. So, yes, 26 years ago, I gave birth to this precious boy who was such a gift, such a gift to me. He was full of life and full of joy, and he was the kind of kid who, I can't even explain, but he lived his life outside of any box. <laughs> you could imagine he was outside of that. Kept me on my toes and was um, an incredible, incredible blessing. Unfortunately, when he was four years old, his dad and I separated. And... Um, I just, (laughs) divorce is such an ugly, ugly grief, and it's part of my story, so I bring that up as well, that divorce is so painful, so painful, and those of you who've been through it, or separation, divorce, it's, there's nothing pretty about it, it's painful and it's ugly, and, but God is still good, God is still good, and I felt him very much holding me through that time.
1: Do you want to tell, tell us a little bit, because I know that we're going to talk a lot about freedom, mm-hmm. but in that, in that space, um, what helped you through that? Because it's a different sort of grief that you yeah, went through when yeah. you were diagnosed. Yeah, um, the another, divorce. Yeah, the, the divorce, divorce, Like yeah. kind of like how you yeah. navigated that particular season in terms of, like, what what would you suggest to people is mm. helpful to do to process the grief and the loss and the pain of those moments?
0: Wow. <laughs> sounds, like Sam said earlier about faith, it's easy, but it sounds simple, but it's actually hard, isn't it? It's just looking to Jesus, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's just about keeping our eyes on him, mm-hmm. and often I, I remember just being curled up in bed, <laughs> and I couldn't even pray. All I could just say was the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. and that was my prayer for months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just Jesus, somehow that encompassed everything. It's like, that's my cry, that's my prayer. That's who I'm holding on to. That's who I believe in. I feel like I'm turning my back to you guys, sorry. <laughs> um, and in the midst of that, still, one of the things that was an encouragement to me was when we had been going through marriage counseling before the separation, one of the counselors challenged me to pray a blessing over Tim every day with Judah, with my son. So we were doing that, and we were in the habit of that. And when we separated, and then the divorce, I continued to do that wow. with yes. Judah. And it incredibly, I think, softened my heart towards my ex-husband. And Judah and I would pray blessing on his new job. When we had a new job, we'd pray blessing on his new wife when he had a new wife. And then when he had his third wife, we prayed a blessing on the next <laughs> wife. We, I'm not, I'm not joking. I don't mean to sound light, but It really helped us to process the things that God was doing in Tim's life and to to continue to keep my heart soft because I I didn't want to get bitter. Mm. I didn't want to get angry. And there was often times when that was hard. Mm. And by praying a blessing on him, it kept my heart right with God. Mm. And I found that very helpful. Yeah. Now, where are we up to? I'm trying to be technical because Sam's here, the one who taught me how to use my iPhone, when I first got it, and I'm challenged here.
1: One little thing I forgot to do yeah. is the setting that automatically turns it off. You can turn oh. that off, but that's all right. We'll keep turning it back on. Yeah,
0: there we right. go. So one of the amazing things was, after the divorce, I came back to New Zealand with my son. Um, we made our home here. My husband was American, so thank- I'm so thankful that Tim let us leave America, because it's very complicated in the States. You're not even allowed to leave state without the permission, so that was a wonderful gift he gave us. We came back to New Zealand and I remember feeling absolutely stink, <laughs> absolutely like, God, I married believing that you were calling us together. I believed in missions. I believed we were going to move forward and now, now I'm divorced. How in the world is that going to be redeemable? How are you going to use that in my life? And I didn't feel like I was, that was going to happen. And <clears throat> Just after the divorce was finalized, I got this invitation from friends in Albania who said, Kathleen, we want to invite you to come and work with us. We feel like God's put your name onto this job that we have a need for. And that was such a gracious gift from the hand of God into me. It was like I didn't have to apply. I didn't have to go through. It was just like the Lord said, Kathleen, I've got a place. <laughs> so Judah and I went to Albania, and we lived there for two years. And that was such an incredible time. To see, um, see God stretching our hearts and to see Judah involved in missions with us. And it was just, it was precious and it was really beautiful. Where am I up to? Oh, here we go. And one of the things I'm so thankful is Judah and I, I only had the one son. And Judah and I were, of course, just the two of us was our family. And we had such an incredible, we just we just loved life together. Our One of our... Um, Family mottos was, and Judah chose this because he loved things that words, you know, plays and things. It was to live exuberantly and to love extravagantly, mm-hmm. and to me that sums up the gospel, doesn't it? You know, to live life abundantly and to love your neighbors as yourself and to love God. So that's how he lived his life, and he taught me <laughs> to live like that too. So we, we that's what we tried to do. So what
1: after the two years in did you come back to New Zealand, or how did
0: they... Okay, so this, that yeah, this is just a. Can I tell a little story? I'm sorry. Okay. So we're in Albania, and a mission team from America is there, and they're saying to Judah, so where are you from? And he goes, I don't know. He's seven years old. And I thought, oh, I'm the world's worst mom. And they said, no, seriously, where are you from? He said, I don't know. I was born in Bulgaria. Then we lived in America. Then we lived in Canada. And then we were in New Zealand, and now we're in Albania. And I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) But also there's a richness to that. But I did think the Lord was saying to me at that time, when we left Albania, to come back to New Zealand and put some roots down. So he had some basis. And so my parents live in Christchurch, and so we moved in with them. And Judah did all his um, high school in Christchurch, and we got involved in the the vineyard, which was a, a wonderful church family for us and really surrounded us at that time. Yeah, so am I moving on? Moving on, okay. So Judah grew up in Christchurch. Christchurch and when he was 18 it was it was also coincided with I was going to turn 50 and I you know because I've learned from my son how to live exuberantly and live extravagantly I decided I wanted to turn 50 in Africa so with Judah's blessing I went ahead and he had a job in Christchurch and he was happy and he had mates and I went to Africa and my brother was working there so I based with him so that was in Ethiopia I spent 5 months in Ethiopia and 3 months in um, Kenya just
1: mainly doing safaris and like y- yeah, you know, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That's <laughs>
0: you know, getting... No, no, I didn't do a safari, but I got my three favorite animals I got to see just by gifts of God randomly. We went to someone's house for afternoon tea and there was giraffes in the driveway. I'm like, "God, you're so good." We went on a, another trip and there was elephants in the way and I was like, "Oh, wow, Lord, thank you." And so part of my 50th year, jubilee year, I was celebrating was um, I'd read Ann Voskamp's book uh, about uh, was it uh, the, at, anyway, having a gratitude. Well, I can't remember the name of the book. But I'd started practicing gratitude and listing things I was grateful for and trying to say at any minute if I stopped, could I list 10 things I was thankful for? Mm-hmm. And that became a habit for that year. And that really, I just was so thankful for that. And the other thing was Sam had done it grace had taught us the song 10,000 reasons and that was my anthem so i'd see the giraffes and i'd start singing you know 10,000, I do not i don't i can't sing but i would try to sing 10,000 reasons and absolutely oh beautiful beautiful song it's always more than 10,000 reasons to be thankful so that was my anthem and all these things god was doing and i my prayer had also been lord stretch my heart stretch my heart and And so there I was. I was in Africa, and I was with my my brother, and um, I had just had a wonderful time. And I was uh, really wanting to see a hippopotamus. That was on my bucket list, too. And so on the morning of my 50th birthday, I woke up, and I was able to go to a place where there was um, Wi-Fi so I could call home called my son and he was having dinner with some really good friends to celebrate my birthday in Christchurch and that was really special so I talked with them all and they handed you know how you do pass the phone around and I said I was on the way to this lake in southern Ethiopia to see hippos and my son's like going oh mom that's just so weird you know (laughs) why do you want to see hippos anyway we had this banter and we laughed and he said I love you and I said I love you too Judah and I went down and we did see hippos I was it was my birthday present so thank you lord And I wrote in my journal that night, God, you are so good, and my heart is full. Mm. You know, that was about 10 o'clock at night. I remember sitting there just feeling this overwhelming goodness of God. Mm. And then 3 o'clock that morning, I woke up to a phone call from my parents that my son had been killed, Mm. this beautiful gift from God. And I just was like, how? How is that possible? And if you had asked me six months before, I would have said there's no way my life could have continued without him. He was my life. But you know what? As soon as I took a minute, God took me back to the thing that he had said to me and he had, I'd written in my book. You're so good. He said, Kathleen, your world has changed and it will never be the same, but I am still good. And I was like, Whoa. Well, I could hold on to that. That became an anchor that I held on to through the next, obviously still, through the next years. He is still good. He is still good. And in the midst of all the funeral, excuse me, flying back from Africa and all the funeral preparations and all the things that I was heading into, you just think, how how am I gonna manage? <laughs> but God was so gracious, so gracious. And I just have this, you won't see it, I'm not gonna show you all the pictures, but every photo in this little album I put together is his is of the funeral and his life. But each one of them has a story attached to it of the goodness of God. <laughs> each one of them has a story about how God graciously provided financially and how God graciously allowed me to meet the girl who was the witness at the accident and tell me that he didn't, he wasn't in pain. God graciously just continued and continued to show me his goodness in Can that. I talked br-
1: about the, um, you got that phone call, but then just your reaction oh, in terms yeah. of
0: what, what happened over those next couple of hours for you? Uh wow. So, Yeah. You know, um, I was in a room with my my niece and a friend of hers, two teenage kids, and I got that phone call and I just fell to my knees and started crying. Woke up the family and we all were just obviously stunned. And I looked at my niece and I said, "Sophie, you know, there's still ten thousand reasons." So we went down to the lake. So this was about, I guess, five o'clock in the morning. Now we watched the sunrise, and we listened to that song. And I just thought. It's still true. It's still true. And I also remember thinking, Lord, everything that I've believed about you, everything I've known about you before today has to be true today as much as it was yesterday. Every promise you've made is still true. Otherwise, it's nothing. But I knew it. I knew deep in my heart he was still good and he was still faithful. And that was something, like I said, I held on to, and uh, and I also remember f- praying and asking, Lord, Lord, there's got to be a way that honors you and carries grief. How how do I carry grief mm-hmm. in a way that is honoring to you, but still very authentic mm-hmm. and very real? Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm so thankful because I I don't have the answers, <laughs> but I think. I've been able to grieve very honestly and cry a lot. And one of... I'm jumping ahead here. One of the things I did was keep a grief journal. And it's just full of, I would call them laments, you know, song psalms of just, where are you? <laughs> How does this make any sense? But also letters to Judah. You know, Judah, if you were here, this is what I would love to say to you. Mm-hmm. If we were together, these are the things... Um And just the promises <laughs> the promises of God, and I just would write down the things that I found helpful and the things people would pray over me, and it just it's a journey it's a journey of pain. Do you need one <laughs> Sorry, guys. I should
1: have warned everyone. (laughs) (laughs) No one would have come to church, but anyway. Come to bacon on Father's
0: Day. Classic valence switch. One of my favorite quotes I read in a little book somewhere was a little girl who had said, crying is good for you because it lets the sadness out. (laughs) And I love that. I think it's very healing. There's something very healing in tears. We learned last week at the Hui that. it detoxes your body, and you need to, need to cry. So, it's all good. So, talk to us about
1: mm. that journey of grief, what you've mm. learned. Mm. Obviously, in the room, there are people that um, everyone, every person, mm. by this stage probably has, has experienced grief to varying mm. degrees. But especially for those that have gone through some some pretty deep water, do you want to just talk about yes. what you have learned? I mean, just even the, the there's so many things I'm picking up. Really. You know, things like um, that grief journal sounds incredible in terms oh, of, way of processing mm. rather than burying your grief. Mm.
0: Um, what is the psalm? I'm looking for Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Sorry, guys. I'm just looking for a verse in Psalm 27 that I found I held on to. And I talked about God's goodness, but this is, I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And that, again, became sort of an anchor that I held on to. And the way i i don't don't want to say i changed the scripture but the way i held on to it was i'm choosing to see the goodness of god because i realized something that i had a choice in how i responded to this this place i found myself that i would not have chosen and i realized that the choice to choose to see god's goodness was something that i found very healing and helpful to me because even though My world was black, (laughs) and she never was. It was gray and very colorless, is the way I would describe it. Because there was always this incredible hope of God in the midst of it. But choosing to see His goodness changed my way of looking at things. Because even if I would wake up one morning and feel like, "What in the world? How do I do this?" There were still good things, you know—a sunrise or a rainbow or. Some gift from God, someone would call me, or and I was like, Those are the good things that I would hold on to. So that was one thing I found. I learned to focus on that. And like I said, I have that little album of the pictures, and I would look through that and I would tell the story. And I think telling the story is really a really a huge thing that I found healing. Um, I Later, after, <laughs> it was a few layers of later, but one of the th- one of the things I did was take a round the world ticket to visit places and people who had been significant in my life and Judah's life. Because a lot of my friends were around the world and they couldn't come to the funeral, they wanted to hear the story of who Judah had been as an adult and who he'd become and how the funeral. And how I was doing, obviously. So, so I did that, and that was an incredible healing for me because I had this little album, and they would say, "Tell us the story," and I would tell it again and again and again. And by the time I got to Canada, so I, I went from here to Africa and Albania, and you know, visited those significant places. Got to Canada. A friend said she um, was involved in therapy and helping people, and she said that they had found that the telling the story is so healing and I thought, God, I didn't know that but you knew that and you allowed me this, this trip of telling the story which helped. Because a lot of the
1: time, mm-hmm. Kiwis especially but just in general, we're super awkward around someone that's gone through deep grief yeah. and we're worried that we're going to bump the bruise and make them feel that grief and therefore we avoid it and it's just like <laughs> in our conversations but in my experience as a pastor I don't know your experience mm-hmm. as someone that's gone through deep grief We wanna talk about that person and we wanna we we wanna at least acknowledge it and so do you want to just unpack that a little bit more in terms of especially for someone that's sitting with someone going through grief Mm. or going through stuff, Mm. like what would you say to that person?
0: I guess we're all different, first of all, and but for me, talking about Judah was was a gift. If people would say, "Do you want to talk about him?" I'm like, "Oh, please, <laughs> you know he's he's still going to always be part of my life. he's, he's just because he's physically not here mm-hmm. doesn't mean it doesn't impact my my days or my my choices or things that I do. And so for me, that was a real in, uh, gift was to talk about him. But I do know that for some people, that's harder. Mm-hmm. But most people that I've met who are processing grief well, love to talk about the person they've lost. And I just had this incredible experience yesterday on the airplane. A woman asked me where I was going, and I said, here. And she said, oh, you're only there for one night. What are you doing? And I explained that I'd been invited to share my story of my son. She said, oh, my husband died 10 years ago. And she goes, I love talking about him. And, and she I was only 30, 36. 36. She'd 36. been a widow for 10 years. And we, we just had this incredible hour of sharing our stories together. And I, I, I challenge you to... I think my, my privilege was that I was v- meeting new people as I traveled, and I think sometimes in a small community, you feel like, oh, I've heard the story, so you feel like that should maybe be the end of it, but actually if you allow them to tell it again and again in different ways and in different contexts and on the anniversary or on the special occasions, and giving them permission to talk about their person that they've lost, I think really honors that person and gives them permission to tell the story again, because you feel like, maybe, a little bit, oh, I've already t- told them that, and so then maybe they don't want to hear it again. But I found, in, in my experience, that it's it just continues to be healing. And even like yesterday, ta- sitting on the beach, talking about Judah and what he would have done if he had been here, it was just beautiful. I love that. So what does
1: grief feel like? You know, what is it, is it like to... Mm-hmm. The sort of sense of... You know, you see something and you get triggered again. Mm-hmm. What, like, what does it feel yeah. like? sitting for those
0: Well, two things I found really helpful in the very beginning. Well, I've said a few things, but two things that were said to me. One was our doctor um, said to me, Kathleen, just go with it. Mm. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. But actually, the more I've thought about it, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. He said, don't overanalyze your feelings. Yeah. If you feel like crying, cry. Yeah. And people around you are laughing. You want to cry? That's okay. Don't. Think about it. If you're laughing, don't feel like, oh, I shouldn't be laughing because I've just, I should be sad. And he's like, just go with it. Whatever the feeling is, let it go. And that was really, really helpful. The other thing was um, someone talked about being, grief is like standing at the beach, which you guys have such a great example <laughs> all around you, standing at the beach with your back to the waves. And they said, sometimes, you hear the waves, and sometimes they don't get you, but you, it's still there. You hear the sound of the waves. Sometimes the whole the water comes, and just you're just flat on your face because the waves just hit you, and you're you didn't see it coming yeah. exactly. Sometimes it just plays around your ankles, and you it's there, but you're coping. And sometimes you want the wave to get you because you're like wanting to express it, and you're not feeling it at that time. And I just thought that was such a healthy way of looking at it that. It's unpredictable, just like the waves. And there's a sense of whatever comes, you will be able to cope with it because God is good. And because he knows when you need to feel the feeling so that you can get more healing, I guess, is something I also learned. As as I mentioned, 10,000 Reasons was my anthem, and we sang it at Judah's funeral, which um, was beautiful, but it became something that triggered huge grief every time I heard the song (laughs) so I'm I'm in Africa and the church says we're going to sing a new song today and they all stood up 10,000 I'm like oh my goodness so I just cried my way through that I'm in Albania and they said we've translated this new song we're going to sing and we sing 10,000 reasons I'm like but you know what it was like Lord knew that each of those places that was a reminder of god 's goodness, because that song was powerful, but also that I needed to cry, and that yeah. this needed uh, this connection of grief needed to keep happening, and I just kept saying, i can 't believe this, but actually God, thank you, thank you for this for permission to grieve and to feel this pain so that's um, I would say one of the other things that i looking at um Psalm 23, I think it talks about, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, and I like the idea of going through the valley, and I've, I've met people who I think have camped in the valley, they've still got their house there, they've built a big not a, yeah, a mausoleum I don't know the word, mausoleum, I guess, and I know people who go to the grave every day, and it becomes it becomes their, their identity is in grief, and I just kept looking at it, I'm going through this valley. I'm gonna go through and I have to go through to get to the other side. And I know that there are other people who go stay on the mountain. They don't want to t- touch the grief. They want to stay up on the sun or in the mountain tops. But actually, we have to go through it. And it's not fun. <laughs> and it's hard, and it, it's, it's just really hard. <laughs> And all of you,
1: it worth it? like you know, oh, yeah. because the mountain people look like, oh, you know, I like to stay up here and use Netflix and work and <laughs> probably looking at something I shouldn't on the internet or smoking whatever, just to not go down that valley. Is it, yeah. This is the arc of the question most of us are wrestling with: Is it worth being obedient to Jesus?
0: I I think so. My my testimony would be absolutely yes because I think you know often I don't know about you, but I've heard this expression that Christianity or Jesus is like a crutch. And I'm like, amen, thank goodness he is, because I can lean on him. And you know, that, we used to sing a song when I was young called Leaning, Leaning, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. And I'm like, I've got a little thing in my grief journal trying to, I'm not a good artist, but I just drew this sort of idea of I can lean on his everlasting arms. He actually isn't going to fail me. He is faithful. Whereas other people have, I've talked with have used other things to try to deal with their grief, alcohol or busyness at work or an affair or just you know grief comes out somehow yeah. and if we if we go through it with the Lord and he's the one that we hold on to my experience has been that it's so worth it oh, yeah. because I love the promises of God you know he is near the brokenhearted. Yeah. <laughs> hello that's me <laughs> I feel like I'm an absolute mess. But one of the things I I prayed, I told you, was that I asked to be stretched. You know, be careful of what you pray because God sometimes, not sometimes, he is always good and always answers that. But do you know what I found was that a broken heart, it can be used more because there's more pieces to give away, right? There's sort of this sense of something to share that comes out of being broken is something hard and painful but it becomes beautiful if we can share that and so that's how I see and another one of my favorite quote am I up to that I don't even know where I'm up to yet but one of my favorite quotes was is by an author called Anne Lamont and she's an incredible author but she I'm just going to read it she says the person lives in your broken heart and it doesn't seal back up but you come through and you learn to dance with a banged up heart and so this is, I don't know if you can even see it, but this is just my way. I have this hanging in my room because I am a visual person and I need things to see that remind me. This is my totally banged up heart. It's just a mess with more holes than it has anything else. But I'm learning to dance. My, ba- my heart will never be the same. My heart is broken and my heart will remain broken, but I can still dance. I can still learn to dance.
1: Let's um, let's talk through the, some of this stuff here because um, you know you've talked a lot about the goodness of God and uh, I think we're, we're all in awe of your radical obedience to Jesus and your desire to stay close to Him uh, and to and to believe in His goodness even though you've gone through something that would suggest otherwise. Do you want to talk about the blessings and like how God has used this, even though? You know, it's such a high price, um, but what God has has done through you over the last little while. Uh.
0: It sounds like I'm being trite or minimizing the grief, but I, I hope you all understand that. I don't, that's not my intention, but I feel like grief can become a very precious treasure <laughs> or your journey or your story. Every story is precious and mine happens to have component of grief the divorce and then judah's death and then just last year my father died so this is my first father's day without my dad and he was one of the kindest men i know knew and he just loved the lord so i'm just so thankful for his example in my life but i think grief is a precious treasure my my prayer was lord how do i carry this forward with integrity and um as I've shared my story, God has given me amazing opportunities. I was in India very soon after Judah's death with Sam's parents and Braun and Phil, and um, they asked me to share my story. It had only been 40 days since Judah died, and it was still very raw, and I stood up and told the story, and it was a pastor's conference, and these young, two young Indian pastors came up and prayed for me, and they said, Kathleen, now you have sons in India, and there's people around the world who need to hear what you've got to share. And I just was like so amazed at God's graciousness. And so God has given me not replacement sons, but I have children around the world that I carry. And I just am so thankful. So I have two boys in India who are very precious to me. And I visited them in April this year and um, had wonderful times with them. I have a young, a young boy who, I, when I was in Africa... Um, before judah's death i had he had been my the church appointed him to work with me and i teased him he was half bodyguard and half tour guide (laughs) make sure i was safe and got to the right places in the in the slums of kenya when we were visiting lots of the different projects and the church's um, jobs there but he wrote to me thank thank you mama kathleen i had a mother for six, six weeks And I was like, wow. And then after Judah died, the Lord just said, Kathleen, that's someone to invest in. So I was able to help him with his university education. And he has continued to be an incredible blessing to me.
1: And the the two boys in Africa, you've helped. um, In India, sorry, uh, you're helping start a business so that they can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, They want to start a coffee shop up in Darjeeling. So I'm trying to. Raise finances and help them with some business training, and that help them with that. But it's just such a privilege to see these young people that God's brought into my life. And and then when I went, I went back to Albania, two no four years ago for two more years. And what a, again, God's goodness. Here was a place in Albania that I'd worked before with Judah, so they all knew about Judah. They knew the stories of Judah, and that was just lovely. But again, I was working in a Bible school there, so again, I had. Wonderful young people to just surround me and, and love me, and it was just really precious. So those are the blessings. And then when I was back in Kenya, I shared the story. They had heard me talk about Judah before he died. I went back to visit, and I told the story of Judah's death. And the women in this room started wailing. And I, I knew it wasn't my story that was touching them because it was, they, they felt, I think, this is what they said later, permission to grieve their stories. And they, they found it very healing, and I was so thankful for that. And then the Lord opened a door for me to be able to go to Honduras with a team from America, and they asked me again to tell my story. And so I shared it with these women, and the same thing. There was just this wailing in the room of their own grief and connecting with their grief, and um, that's, that's happened a few times. And I just thank, thank God, because I think it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to feel feel that grief and to connect with it and I feel that's a a blessing God's given me and to Sam inviting me here I was when he told me the date and I knew it was Judah's birthday and um, my birthday is at the end of this month so 27th of September was the seven-year anniversary since Judah died I was like this is my funk month Lord (laughs) how this is my month from Judah's birthday to the death is sort of my emotions are it's a little bit I'm more fragile and I was like, Lord, you know that. You know that Sam invited me up for this this Sunday, and I'm just trusting that you're going to be be my rock as you have been. Hmm. Oh, I, I forgot yes. to mention. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a few things. Two <laughs> things. Are we have to, how are we doing? Um, one thing was when I was with the boys in India, we were telling some Judah stories because they had heard my testimony, but they didn't know who Judah was. So they said, Mom, tell us about Judah. So I was telling them some of his silly stories, you know, and some of the things he'd get up to, and mischief. And then we were um, sitting down in a cafe, because we were doing, um, what's it called? Reconnaissance, when, you, when you're when you checking out other opposition, that what they might need to do. <laughs> but in my Bible, there are pictures of Judah at 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, sort of through the years. And the boys saw that, and they looked at me, and they said, oh, mom. I said, what? They said, we saw something in your Bible. And I thought they were going to say, you know, a verse or something. And they said, what about if we call the cafe the Judah Cafe? Aye. Oh my God. <laughs> I was I was a mess. But again, God's God's goodness. God's goodness. And then two years ago, um, God did something really uh, just miraculous. <laughs> I was living in Albania. So no it was a few more years than two, but okay, anyway, so someone contacted me from Christchurch and said, Kathleen, call me. And it was sort of like, this is important, so I I Skyped, you know, called. And they said, Kathleen, they were doing, they were a therapist, and they said, I was doing a treatment on this person, and this person said, I wish I knew where the boy was buried. And she said she knew immediately they were talking about Judah. And she said, oh, why was that? He said, unfortunately, this terrible thing happened, and I was driving the car four years ago, and I killed a boy. Wow. at the time of the funeral, my heart had gone out to this young man because it was my son's fault. He made the mistake. But the person driving the just, car... Just so that people yeah, know. So, yeah.
1: so Judah was um, on a scooter, not a little scooter, like a motor- motorised scooter, yeah. on by the youth group, And um, uh, there was a whole lot of roadworks going on, a whole lot of cones, and he got confused about what lane he was meant to be in, and he had a, um, I think it was a head-on collision, mm-hmm, wasn't it, with mm-hmm. another car. But he was killed instantly... Um, and the um, NZTA and all that and all the investigations cleared the driver because he wasn't at fault it was just a mistake that Judah made it was one of those mm. tragic things mm.
0: and I remember my heart going out to the young because the girl I told you I was able to meet the girl who was the witness and she had told me that it was a young man who had been driving and I just thought that poor driver's got to live with that the rest of his life mm. and that's going to be his story of grief and his story of pain so we'd been praying for him for a long time. And people would continually ask me, have you met him? Have you met him? And I said, no. If I was his mother, I would be saying, don't, don't go near that family because you don't know what they're going to do. You know, they might, <laughs> they might be angry and there might be a lot of pain. And, but we kept praying. And then here I was, like I said, in Albania. And randomly this guy <laughs> is starting talking. And so my friend says she got permission from him. And so we contacted. I wrote him an email And said that I would love to to be in touch. And I didn't hear from him. And so I came back to New Zealand. And then I got another phone call from somebody and said, one of Judah's friends, a young person, said, Kathleen, my somebody knows somebody who knows the guide. He wants to know if you're in New Zealand. Can I give him your phone number? I thought, wow, that's two random um, coincidences, whatever, connections. And so I said yes. And so, again, it was a long, long time and i wish i had time to find the message but he wrote the most beautiful message he said i would love to meet you so i can apologize for not being able to avoid hitting your boy mm-hmm. and i thought what a courageous young man <laughs> what a lot of courage that took mm-hmm. and so then he then he didn't i said i can't remember how the thing went but he finally he wrote A message and he said I think I'm ready can we meet tomorrow I said yes (laughs) absolutely so we met at a coffee shop and he put his hand in his pocket and he pulled out this beautiful green stone cross as a gift for me and I just I said oh my goodness now I'm really gonna cry And we just cried together and I think and I haven't heard from him since that was the fifth anniversary of Judah's death and I think obviously he'd been struggling and I just believe that God's not finished with that story I think he's going to come to know the Lord, and I can't wait for that part of the story. But again, I I see that as the gracious hand of God. An incredible, incredible privilege to meet him and to just tell him from my perspective that we have no anger towards him and that, as my niece said the day we were sitting on the beach in Ethiopia listening to 10,000 Reasons, she said, Kathleen even the way he died was a gift to the boy who was driving the car because it's not the boy's fault. (laughs) And I thought, wow. So I was able to tell this young man that, and he just was, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Oh, Oh, I've got one more story. But no, but when you're ready. (laughs) No, when you're ready. 20, you know, I just think it's important to think about God's timing. And uh, I don't, God gives us words And we don't understand the time frame. When I was in my 20s, I remember praying, and I felt the Lord said, Kathleen, would you be prepared to serve me in missions or serve me single and childless? And I was like, after wrestling with it, yes, Lord, I will. And then I I forgot about that. And after Judah's death, the Lord reminded me. So this is 30 years later. It was like the Lord said, Kathleen, this is what I was preparing you for. Here you are. You're single now, and you're childless. Are you still going to serve me? Are you still prepared? And I, I was like, that for me was a gift because it was like, yes, yes. It's not that I misunderstood you, Lord. It's this is the time. This is what you've prepared me for. And it was for me, that was a beautiful gift. And that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do, <laughs> serve him and um, live for him because he's a good, good God. <laughs> Oh, Lord, we just, we just thank you that you are good. Mm-hmm. We thank you that you are faithful. And we thank you that whatever we're feeling right now, Father, if it's triggered grief in people's hearts or memories of grief in people's hearts, if it's loss of a dream, mm-hmm. loss of a loved one, end of a relationship or end of a job, Lord, just so many, grief comes in so many ways. We thank you that you we can trust you with our hearts because <laughs> you are a man of sorrows and you're acquainted with grief. You understand, you understand the pain of loss and pain of separation from your father. So, Father, we invite your presence here. We thank you that you are a God who heals, who walks with us. Thank you that we can lean on your everlasting arms and you are. You are the crutch that we can lean on and you will never fail us. So we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you you that you are a God who walks with us and heals us. We just thank you for that. In your precious name, amen.